Remember when Evil Jeff called in and asked, When are we going to get the Webster style? In episode 5, I began to give an answer. Today, I want to develop my thoughts a little further. This is season 9, episode 7. Finding my blend. System fluid. If you say the real life ends up your days and you don't have time to play, well, midlife is the best time to start a new role playing phase. And you need a rescue. Jay's coming at you with a rescue. A role play rescue. Jay's gonna help my friend. Let's sit down to game again. Hello and welcome to Roleplay Rescue. My name is Che Webster. While I hope this episode stands alone, it follows on from my earlier discussion in episode 5 about the importance of worlds. In that episode I was asking how I can make my fantasy gaming approachable while satisfying my desire for a rich world to explore. I also touched on the idea of cognitive distance as proposed by Monty Cook. Today I want to talk about system. By this, I mean the shape of the whole game, including the world, but also the choice of rules and the methodology. I'm working from the general macro scale down towards specifics. In future episodes, I imagine we will talk about the various options I value for both choosing your rules and developing your methods. I am personally much more interested in the methods, the area I feel deserves far more experimentation on my part. But today, I want us to see the whole system first and talk a bit about rules. Before we can do that, however, we do have some further feedback from Evil Jeff, and I feel we should listen to what he had to say about episode 5 before we delve deeper. So, how about it, Evil Jeff? Rescue! Jay, it's Evil Jeff. Just listen to your latest podcast where you responded to my inquiry when we were going to get to hear your version of gaming not you know the blend the blend as it would be i really appreciate it. it does give a lot more perspective and understand where you're coming from and i think you've been figuring out for yourself it's always it's more the world not the rules so yeah we get all that I will, however, take this opportunity to say I'm going to make an exception or take exception to your pitches. And unfortunately, what happens is that when you shorthand things, you may inadvertently leave people out. As you said, for whatever that big amalgamation of words was for the weirdness and you know, using your shorthand of it's the X-Files meets Harry Dresden. Well, now you have excluded people that don't know those things. What is the fact? I mean, could somebody have never seen the X-Files? You know, even if they have a lot of the same reference points as you, then you're like leaving them out. You know, you, the Harry Dresden stuff. Okay, you're leaving people out. I think... When you describe a word or a world and it has such, you know, large 
connotations, large information. And that's not exactly the way I want to say that, but I think you, you, you know, we you use your descriptor, descriptors. There's so many different ways that a mind can go. And maybe for pitching a game or something, it would be better for all of us to give some small examples, not things that should happen in the game, but small examples. Okay, so it's the real world. But now there's the opportunity that, you know, you might actually encounter what is a ghost or Bigfoot sighting and there's more credible evidence or you fall into a painting. See, by giving examples, not things that could happen to the players, but to give them the ideas of the fantastic, the weirdness, whatever, just small little bits and saying exactly how much of that may exist in a world would probably do all of us better when we are pitching a game. I think about all of the games that I see on Play by Post, and you really do get people that give a, a fairly big background in fantasy. And I think that's probably because there's so many different ways that fantasy can go that whoever is proposing the game basically gives an outline of the world and allows the players you know the opportunity to read and decide okay can i put myself in that world do i envision that and there's been a number of play-by-post games that i've seen in forums that i just didn't like because the game itself or the world that was described really just wasn't something that excited me but i had enough description to determine oh hey this is what type of fantasy we're looking at and i think for science fiction think for weirdness and so forth maybe our descriptions need to have small examples of what is a possibility so yeah a little bit longer than i expected to discuss with you but you know that's just i listen to the podcast especially that one section with about five minutes, four and a half minutes left of the uh, whole podcast. I listened to that several times and mold it over here before I decide to holler back at you. Anyway, appreciate the great work, and I look forward to hearing more of what you have to say in response to any craziness that I throw your way. Later. Thank you, Evil Jeff. Evil Jeff there from Minions and Musing podcast. And yeah, great points. Thanks. I actually took me back a bit when I first received the call and I had to think about it a little bit. I don't know. I, f- I have to be honest, I find it really difficult pitching games. And of course, the standard advice out there is to do the movie pitch thing, which was the whole kind of elevator pitch, you know, and that's generally speaking, taking something that's already out there in sort of media and mashing that with something else that's out there in media and saying, hey, we're going to do this and this. Hence, you know, for the example given, uh, X-Files meets Harry Dresden. And, of course, you're absolutely right. If you haven't seen those things, then you have no clue what that means. Of course, most of the people I'm gaming with are of a similar age and therefore were around when X-Files was aired um, and often have the same interests. But, of course, not everybody, and that's clearly the case with yourself. I guess that the issue here is... 
I've also been told to avoid writing long backgrounds filled with lots of examples of what might be there simply because people won't read them. And my experience as a GM is, quite honestly, that I don't know whether it's just the people I game with, but they don't want to read stuff. Um, I can give them a very short thing to read and I get the sense that they don't. And I don't know, this is difficult. But I do take your point. It would be really useful to write those things and to work those things through. And I guess, yeah, I'm, well, I guess when I'm pitching a game out, I'm kind of saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I don't want to invest a lot of time in kind of really outlining that world in case guys don't want to play it. On the other hand, if I don't do that, then guys aren't going to want to play it. So there's a real tension here, isn't there, between how invested am I in actually creating the world? And this brings me back to my last podcast, episode five, where I'll be honest with you, what I think I need to do is exactly what you're talking about. Really take the time to work out what the setting's about, build the setting, at least to some degree, kind of flesh it out, and then put that out there. Um, And rather than sort of, you know, try to draw people, uh, kind of start with these are the players I want to draw them into the game, is actually start with the world and just put it out there and see who wants to come and play. And if nobody wants to come and play that world, I can just shelve it for the time being. Um, But at least I did the work. So I just wanted to say thank you. Really good feedback, really useful for me, really thought-provoking for me. And yeah, kind of leads me into my next step with the blend. So I hope you find this episode as interesting as the last. Thanks, Evil Jeff. Let's get into it. I am becoming increasingly system-fluid. What do I mean by system? I don't mean the rules of the game. Or not on their own, anyhow. I mean the whole interaction between the world, the rules, and the methods by which we play tabletop role-playing games. That's what I mean by the system. Having established that I want to play games in exciting worlds, and that's what interests me as a creative game master, the next question is all about how I bring players to those worlds. How do I attract good players? How do I get them to create interesting characters to fit into those worlds? And how do I make sure the game is fun for most of the players most of the time? All good questions. I think the answers lie in remaining flexible about my choice of rules and methods. Some of my friends are fixated on playing one particular set of rules. In my circles, the most persistent rules preferences I hear are either to play GURPS or to play some form of early D&D, pre-second edition. And that's fine. At school, young neophyte gamers coming to the club are attracted to the offer of Dungeons & Dragons, which means the fifth edition and nothing else. This is understandable and totally fine. What these examples show is that many maybe even most players, approach gaming through the lens of the rules. They want to play with a particular set of game rules, and they often view this as the totality of the choice they need to exercise as a player. I guess who is the GM figures into the decision as well, but my impression is that this is secondary to the choice of rules. Most people ask questions like, what are we playing? And what they mean is, what game are we playing? And what they assume when they ask that is that the rules are the game. I view this as a limiting way to look at the game, but hey, I can't really control the way players think about their own games. And by the way, in saying that, I'm expressing my view that the game is more than the rules. 
and not making judgments about people who don't see things the way that I do. Maybe I'm wrong. It's just that what we are playing is going to get a bigger answer if you ask me. For example, my current Monday night game is a classic fantasy sandbox set in Mistamir, played using the Mithras classic fantasy rules and utilising traditional dungeon crawling and hex crawling structures blended with some investigation. We are not simply playing Mithras. So, let's imagine an imaginary John who only wants to play GURPS. Do I want John at my table? Well, if yes, then I need to choose GURPS as my rule set, don't I? But what if John only plays GURPS and Matt, another imaginary player, wants to play Dungeons and Dragons? In the past, I would have felt I needed to choose between my friends, or at least to ask one of them to accept the preference of the other, or I would need to do something different. One of the most powerful motivators of my endless buying, reading and trying out different sets of rules was the conflicting tastes of my players. Sometimes I would grow weary of the juggling act that I was trying to perform and just give in to one player. These were the times we would play games I didn't much care for just to please my friends. But in doing that, I would drive other players away. And the one big thing I learned over the past 30 years is that no matter how many times players tell you that they don't mind what rules you use they are not actually being that honest. It matters way more than people want to admit, and I guarantee that someone is going to call in now and tell me how they are the exception, that they will play anything, and they really don't mind, until they play and then complain about the rules afterwards, or even, as I've experienced from time to time, during the game. Rules matter, And rules matter to gamers way more than they are comfortable admitting, and I include myself in that statement. Rules matter because we have our own tastes. We like to argue about rules as if they were objectively comparable, but what we are really arguing about is our personal preferences. And it's okay to like different stuff to other people. I like my games grounded in a sense of realism, of simulation, of believability, of the mundane in comparison to the wondrous. When I ran Mr. Mir in D&D's 1983 Mensa basic set, it was a brutal and harsh world with an incredibly familiar blend of magical eclecticism. But when I switched to Mithras classic fantasy, it became more visceral and tactical. One big change was I felt the magic became more believable when we dumped the one-shot Vancian magic for a magic point mechanism. When I played with GURPS, the game felt even more grounded, magic taken really seriously with thought-provoking consequences that D&D often seemed to skip over. Don't take these comments as a criticism of any one rule set, though. Each game was very good and very rewarding. I enjoyed each iteration of Mistamir, but my point is that each set of rules changed the way the game felt, how we experienced the world, and I concluded that rules matter, not only to our tastes, but to the overall effect you are looking to generate. The same is true of methods. Methods matter too. How we play, how we interact at the table, what tools we use, all these things that are not strictly the rules or the world, these are the methods of play. I am pretty traditional in this regard. We either sit around the table face to face, although not about for about 16 months or more now, Or we gather online using a voice video chat tool. The players know the rules, the players create characters, the GM provides the world and the opening situation. I personally prep situations, not plots. 
The situation is described, the players choose actions, the GM adjudicates using the rules, the story begins to unfold, emerging from play. I use the classic game structures, I use things like the location crawl and the map crawl, and I use the three-clue rule to provide mystery and allow for investigation. But recently, I have been experimenting. I am using more node-based design structures to loosen up the adventures that I offer. Players get to move anywhere in the world in any order that they choose. I am seeking to increase their agency from being able to not only choose how they resolve each scene and even choosing which scenes they get into, but also towards the players choosing the larger goals their characters have in the game. Methods change the experience of the game too, but in this I am much less adept and only just beginning to break out of old patterns of thinking and acting. I think I was largely unconscious in my methodology. I simply did what I had learned to do from the earliest days of my gaming, and now as I seek to elevate my conscious choices, I am starting to experiment. What if players don't know the rules? What if players don't roll dice? What if we do some things differently? But that's a whole another episode, I think. Where I am arriving at is the sense that I need to be fluid about how I implement the system of the game. Fluid is a useful word. It invokes the way liquids flow into the spaces provided for them. This is a metaphor that appeals to me. To beat system fluid is to pour my approach to play into the space provided by the players. Or, if I'm a player, to allow my experience of play to be supported by the system of the GM. Instead of trying to please all the players, I am opting to deploy the most appropriate tools that I'm willing to use to the game at hand. There are two elements to this, being willing to deploy different tools and also knowing which tools I am happiest using. Not all tools are going to fit my hands, so to speak. Neither are all tools going to be appropriate to the situation. Let's use the analogy of the artist. I am not a fan of paint, for example. While I am a very unskilled artist, I would choose a pencil over paint any day when it came to doing a picture. Of course, if I was working on miniatures, then maybe I would like to use paint, but I find that really fiddly. It's one of the things that puts me off mini painting. It's the paint. Anyway, my point is that we have preferences. Within the realm of our preferences, we need to consider which tools fit best to the task at hand. I mean, using pencils to colour miniatures is not going to work. Thus, to my mind, some experiences of play are simply things that I don't enjoy. When it comes to role-playing, an easy example is LARP, live action role-playing. I tried it, but it was too far from what I seek in a role-playing game. Neither did I much enjoy the computer RPG, too limiting, too scripted, too much clicking buttons, so I came back to the tabletop. There's nothing wrong with LARP and there's nothing wrong with console or computer gaming, but I prefer the tabletop RPG. And with that, I prefer the more detailed and structured rules options. I prefer the action to be grounded in realism rather than being cinematic. I have a long list of preferences, but even then I'm learning to be flexible about exactly which set of rules and which methods 
to apply to this particular world. What I think about is the effect that we, the group, want to experience. I recently ran a session zero with some guys aiming to play using the cipher system of rules. We did the thing I was talking about earlier where I drew them by talking about the rules we would use. But as we got down to talking, as we spoke about the game, I realised that we wanted to play in a broadly modern setting. I realised the players were open to alternate realities and some weirdness. And then one player mentioned The Strange, a particular setting, and I knew that I wanted to explore the world of The Strange. So I wholly embraced that suggestion. No one objected in the following discussions, so that's now the direction of travel. Because I wanted to test out Monty Cook Games' set of rules, the Scythe system, I was kind of flexible about the world and the methods, but, and I think this is where I'm heading more in the future, I am beginning to realise that it might be much more rewarding to start with the world and then, responding to the experience the players express them wanting to have, choose the rules and the methods to build that particular experience. And that's why this is the second part of finding my blend. I'm increasingly leaning towards choosing worlds to play in and then, having found interested players, moulding the other choices of rules and methods to support the experience we collectively seek. And that's why I believe I'm becoming system fluid. I care about the worlds I play in. I will choose the rules and the methods that give us the experience we collectively seek. And that means Webster's style of play is a fluid approach, drawing from a bunch of options that I feel comfortable using. I hope that kind of makes some sense. Rescue! Right then, before I finish, there's just one other thing I wanted to mention. The other day I was listening to GM Shadow, that's Barry's podcast, The Shadow of the GM. And he was talking about the question of whether we should use generic game systems or bespoke game systems. Game systems that can be used with any world and are designed to be used with any world, like GURPS, Savage World, Cypher System, or the D100-based basic role-playing game, loads! Or should we use games that are designed specifically for a particular world, like, say, the 2D20 system applied to Star Trek Adventures or any other myriad of games out there? To my mind, it's a little bit of a false dichotomy. To me, it's what a world do I want to play in and then what players have I got at my table and then given those two elements, which set of rules suits those players and that world the best? I'll be honest, it's probably going to be a generic system that's the most flexible and that's why I'm always drawn towards generic gaming systems like GURPS, Cypher System, Savage Worlds and Basic Role Playing. I think those are probably my four kind of most used systems that's not to say however that you couldn't have a really good game if it's a bespoke system and of course if i played star trek right now i probably would play 2d20 star trek adventures by modifius it's a great game the thing here though is if i had a bunch of players who want to play star trek but don't like 2d20 then i would probably take the world and plug in a different game system Of course, if I have a bunch of players who don't like a particular generic game system, then I can unplug it and plug in a different game system. The flexibility is kind of all there and up for the grabs. My point is that rules, while they'll change the fundamental flavor of the game, the experience you have at the table, they're each valid in each given group that you're playing within. And I guess that what I want to say is you kind of got a complex balancing act to do here. 
it's not actually that difficult but it does require you to know the people at your table to think about the effect that you want the experience you want to have at the table and then to use the right rules the right methods to fit with the world you're trying to present and i think that's about all i've got to say about that at least for now And that's it for another episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support the podcast, there are a whole host of things that you could do. Most helpful of all, you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using, and that will help to raise our profile. Alternatively, you could follow me on Twitter at UbiquitousRat and like or retweet episode announcements. And thanks to everyone who's doing that already. If you're on MeWe, you can look me up and connect, or you can find the Roleplay Rescue page and follow. Again, emojiing or resharing episode announcements, that's really helpful. And there's also a private Roleplay Rescue group that you can join if you want to discuss stuff off-air. If you have comments, you could drop me a call-in via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue, or email me your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. If you are looking for more Roleplay Rescue, check out the blog at roleplayrescue.com where I randomly post quick thoughts and gaming stuff as the whim takes me. If you want to buy me a digital coffee by way of thanks, why not drop by ko-fi.com slash cwebster. And finally, if you want to support the show with a little pocket change on a regular basis, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you once again to all my current patrons for their patient and long-standing support. Links to all of these places can be found in the show notes. And thanks, of course, must go to TJ Drennan for the main theme music and all of the stingers. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast to a huge range of podcasting services. And thanks to you, the listener, for lending me your ears. That's it until next time. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. <laughs>